Welcome to my basement, everybody. I brought in a couple of guests because we have a lot to talk about, including the uh, last big game for the PlayStation 4. And we are going to make some predictions and some, have some speculation about whatever Xbox has got planned for us this week. Joining us from Ars Technica is our old friend Sam Miskovich. Good to see him back. And new to Vic's basement is Mike Williams from US Gamer. Uh, thank you both gentlemen for joining me today. And thank you for your patience. We had technical difficulties and these guys were like, what the heck is up with Victor <laughs> Lucas? Thought this guy had a TV career for a while. What is going on? Yeah, but you're uh, so but, polite that we let it slide. It's good. You've got uh, that Canadian bluster that we work with. Yeah. Yeah, he was, re he was <laughs> real sad about it, but we, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't do anything you, with our days. Let's talk about Ghost of Tsushima because it's still topical, it's still uh, top of my mind. I was playing it some more this weekend. Um, you guys both reviewed it for your uh, various uh, publications. Mm. Mike, I, I read through your review today. You liked it, I think, a little less than Sam and I for some pretty particular reasons. Tell, tell us. Yeah, Mike, what's up Ghost. with that? Wait, what? Well, I, 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 liked your, I liked your observations though, because you're such a huge fan of uh, Japanese and, uh, you know, and uh, feudal samurai cinema, I think, yes. Yeah, yeah so, so I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, 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 as I said, I, I pretty much cleared the entire game in about 62 hours, which is, part of what I do, but also means that I kind of enjoy the game. You obsessed, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my issues generally were uh, sort of, the, the camera was probably the major one, which I think a lot of other people have sort of gleaned on to after, you know, the game has been released, that there's no lock on and sometimes the camera will just get like stuck behind a wall or behind a bush and you have no idea what's going on. Um, but probably, yeah, my, my biggest issues were more story-centric. Like, I, I enjoyed the way the game played, but I had some issues with how they handled Jin and his whole arc over the course of the story. Um, without getting into spoilers too many, uh, basically... We can get into spoilers a little bit, okay. I think. Yeah, because the game's out. People are talking about well, you, it. I mean, we Spoil want to be a little light about it. <laughs> yeah, not too much. It's because it's a huge game for sure. And people probably didn't do the whole weekend to go. Right, the shit. whole thing. Um, <laughs> so like part of the, the, the main thrust is this uh, fight between Jin's sense of honor uh, as yeah. a samurai, which is how he was raised, and the far more effective tactics of being the ghost. Um, and I, I think part of the problem was they, they did, I think, need to have a little bit more of a preamble prior to the samurai getting massacred on the beach where you mm. got to spend more time as the samurai and see what, because in the game proper, as the story goes, like once Jin kills the first person as the ghost with the assassination, he's on board. Like he is firmly the ghost from then on. And then the, the real conflict is sort of between him and his uncle. And his uncle really isn't in a ton of the game after that. So right. I gotta say, the thing, the game is very weird because when you start out, it is, it's very, there are lots of flashbacks about honor. It's a big right. deal. You do not kill without facing someone, without <laughs> shouting it out. Jin is pronouncing this very frequently at the outset. And there's an early mission where Jin is told, uh-uh, no, 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 you cannot shout, you cannot claim, you cannot 
not put yourself out there because you might kill a hostage. Uh, and so you, in this mission, have to kill four or five people. And by the way, the, the stealth, silent killing animations are brutal. Uh, yeah, yes, because it's, there's a lot of brutality, uh, but a lot of it is like slashing a person right in the face. And the, but there's also sort of like an extra, it's almost because they want you to pay um, experience points for quicker kills. So at first he's very awkward with it. It's like a child trying to kill a chicken in the barn. Um, and that mission ends without finding the, the prisoner that you were looking for. So he betrays his whole code uh for this and you go well that was weird but you go oh okay um i guess we can still honor still matters he did that just once and eventually i kept on just going okay let's see what happens if i just keep playing honorably um because a lot of the missions early on the challenge is not and just through and just swipe 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 without knowing things like the pose system uh and right. some of the extra gadgets uh and then i did one sort of silent kill because it was another like don't get the prisoner killed mission so you had to go for silence as opposed for boldness and there was a flashback and it was jin's uncle coming to me and saying how bad this was it was just and it was like time for that it wasn't a specific mission it was just an, an outside yeah, it's, it's the very first time there the very first time wherever you do it in the game jin's uncle flashes back after already giving you a speech earlier in some preamble <laughs> missions and it's like that was bad and i go wait did i just did i just ruin the end like did i just do the bioshock thing where i ruined one of the paths and so mm. what the game does an awkward job of doing is telling you actually it doesn't really matter and like the plot eventually catches up with this yeah. with Jin having more reasons to use stealth with challenge ramping up to use stealth all of the systems eventually come into play where going for bold full-on battles and going for sneaky stealthy stuff it, it, it is an awkward juggle um and I, I it's just one thing that I chalk up to the game's jank this is Sony's biggest for uh first party open world jank game yet and uh, uh the torch to here in a second because i think victor and i definitely uh mike as well i believe played a bunch of ubisoft games that aren't out yet as yes. we were preparing this review and i have to say the things that kind of drove me nuts which included that tight fov and some of the jank all kind of evaporated when i compared the, them to these other ubisoft games and said you know what i like the protagonist's journey in Ghost of Tsushima. And I like the way that story is meted out in world building ways. I really like the way that unnecessary missions that don't necessarily dole out a bunch of useful stuff actually made me kind of care more about the world as if this was a long running serial TV series. It's a slow burn, uh, on a, almost like an anime of, uh, of doing simple, cute, inconsequential things that build the world and every yeah, once in a while some I, I, sweet mystical shit stuff pops out yeah i liked i like the side missions with uh lady masako uh yeah. and ishikawa sensei more than i liked Jin's. like there's that one moment uh, like i i just explained to someone like it's the moment at the climax of black panther where he tells all of his predecessors you were wrong for Jin, that moment comes like just before the midpoint of the game like that's in the middle of act two where he just says to his uncle like you are wrong here like and it doesn't really matter um and, and like I'll, I'll i will listen to you to a point but i'm not gonna stop what i'm doing because i know i'm right 
But he also knows that the uncle has a, a whole bunch of reasons for why yeah. he has to project that, even though everybody on the island, this is what really drove me to love this game is that, uh, you know, the, the, the loneliness of it and the solitary mm -hmm. elements of it were, uh, I think, a little off-putting when you first start the game because, you know, we're so used to um, lots and lots of characters populating these open worlds and, right. and, you know, people cruising along and exploring together and the characters talking back and forth about uh, objectives and mission states and uh, in this game, you're alone a lot, but what does tell the story is exactly this environment that uh, oh, Sucker so Punch good. crafted for. I mean, it's beautiful, but there's all, it's also filled with real horror. Like you see all the dead bodies everywhere. You see the burned Hanging, out, charred out. Yeah, and it's, and, and that's what resonated with me. It's like, oh my God, I feel the weight of this. I feel like it's incredibly important for me to, mm. uh, you know, battled these these Mongol oppressors because they're ki they're killing my people. They're wiping out my uh, my world. I mean, yeah. I, I got to say for me, what kept me going is I, I need something in an open world adventure that's going to propel me through doing essentially the same thing over and over. And there was a few things. Number one, the stories in which the world was told through other characters, because I yes. like I like Jin as a kind of goody goody, but willing to bend kind of character. I, I just felt like that was a good um, projector on which other characters could be interesting off of. Like, I, that's why I really enjoyed the side quest. So that's number one. Number two, I really liked how they made uh, something that split the difference between the automatic battling of Batman Arkham and the <laughs> clumsiness of a giant crowd in Assassin's Creed. I loved yeah. having to use poses to sort of go, okay, there's a bunch of guys coming and it's really about the eight hour mark, I'd say that the battling really kicks in and you're like, oh right, I need to use my gadgets. I need to use my mix of poses um, to deal with things that get intense. And the intensity sometimes is because the camera stinks and that's okay. Yeah. Like it's not hard to restart and get your, get your stuff together. I'm trying not to curse. Um, and so I like, but I liked how that battling felt. I enjoyed repeatedly getting into those kind of battles, uh, whether it was because it was beautiful or because I was newly overwhelmed in ways that didn't feel completely frustrating. And then just the world's beautiful. I just really enjoy like going, okay, I'm going to go from one point was, to the huh? next. Oh. And, and all in all, it was a kind of a full hopeful journey. And then of course there's just jank. You know, it's like you go into a village and you just go, someone's got a pet uh, ox and you just kill the ox and that's bad. That's not a noble thing to do. And everyone's like, what's up? Who cares? I just killed that ox. Um, like, I there think are some issues too with some of the stealth as well. Like you can uh, outwit the AI and I'm sure Sucker Punch is flipping out right now and trying to, you know, patch yeah. and, and smooth everything over. But oh, that was that I, was a game that got to ship. You could tell where they're like, we, this, this has gotten to ship. But like, there's so much in this game. There's you know, so much, so much that. Yeah. It works so beautifully. Hold on a second. My kid turned up Teen Titans. I got to tell her to turn that down. <laughs> hey, Ruby, you, you cannot watch TV while I'm playing. <laughs> Please leave this, this in the video. Because this is, this is truly rant. in the basement. No, it's not plugged in and it's very loud. Okay. <laughs> Um, hey, at least she's not, you know, jumping to Marvel. I don't know. What's your, what's your. <laughs> um, no, it's good that she's watching Teen Titans. I'm good with that, but she just can't have it blasting behind me. <laughs> but so uh, well, let's say, I think all of us agree that this is for a giant game, not perfect, but compelling and worth playing through. Um, oh, oh my God. Oh, definitely. And, like, and go ahead. 
uh, in terms of polish, I'd say like, so like there was days gone, which I was fine with, but yeah. definitely had some significant issues. And there's the last of us part two and Ghost of Tsushima slots in right there in the middle. Like I you think can so. Yeah. Yeah. Tell there's some Jenkins, some issues, but I really like I vibed with it hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's also a game um, where you just, you want, you keep uncovering its value, the more that you sort of explore and the more, the more quiet moments. I think that's what really kind of resonated for me is like when you're honestly, like the first time you do a haiku, it's a little cheesy. I think it's like, yeah. Oh, okay, well this is right on the nose. And then you do it a few times. It's like, Oh my God, I like, I appreciate the Zen so much right now. And, and then you go into the, you know, into the middle of just, abject carnage you're just surrounded and you feel you're sweating and you're just your pulse is racing i gotta i gotta say value (laughs) one thing that i really love is that i'm not much for the uncharted wall climb where you're just grabbing onto a wall and climbing because there's some cinematic scene or because they're hiding the load time for one reason or another you got to climb a crap Uncharted and Tomb Raider. I get it. But I really enjoyed the fact that the climbing in Ghost of of Tsushima is almost entirely just to get to a beautiful mountaintop. And it wants you to realize Mm -hmm. that what you were doing is putting forth effort to get to a ridiculous view. Uh, And that's, and and with little storytelling bits in between sometimes, but I just really liked the way that those were um, choreographed. And that's really tough to do a few times, let alone as many times as they do. I just thought that was such a surprising, like, oh, that's such a nice thing that this doesn't suck. Yeah, and, and I was really excited to see those because I've, I've been a long time for people who are, are just being introduced to me. I'm a very big Assassin's Creed fan uh, across the entire series. They're all back there on my bookshelf. Um, and when they switch to the ability to parkour across anywhere in the world, they also minimized the uh, addition of traversal puzzles like Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood and those had uh, traversal dungeons, you know, sort of harkening back to that Prince of Persia roots. Right. And that's gone because you can parkour anywhere now. Uh, and they've just sort of minimized that. And moving to sort of the older Assassin's Creed, the Uncharted style climbing and the shrines allows them to sort of make those traversal puzzles again, where you're really trying to figure out like, where does the developer want me to figure out? Like, where are they trying to get me to go? And I love that. It's it's like they kludged another game in the middle of this yeah. huge open world, yes, and it's it's very it's very fun and it's very effective, um, and it, that's the thing about this game is that it, it's it's thumb candy, like it's just so easy to play. It's just really really enjoyable, and it's so fast as well. Like he is so athletic and so graceful. There's no cumbersome to to the character. It's just your ability to control the camera and <laughs> and the crowd that you might run into. Well, but I love the- what you said. I love what you say about how fast. Uh, Jin is because the thing that cracked me up at first was, oh, I can just grab bamboo while I'm on my horse. But yeah. as you go through, you're just like, I, I do need those supplies. And it is kind of cool to see a little thing glow and just go whoosh, and just Hit grab and just grab <laughs> crap while you're along the way. Like, I think that it's, it's easy to laugh at, but like as a gameplay mechanic, it works. Yeah, he's badass. Um, how do you guys feel uh, as uh, the PlayStation 4 wraps up? D- did, um, did Sony deliver on the promise of this machine? I think there's going to be 
uh, forum threads for the, for the rest of time that will talk about PlayStation 4 being one of the greatest consoles ever because of all of these very specific memorable games uh, that were either exclusive or did very well on PlayStation 4. Uh, that's the thing. That, and I think Ghost of Tsushima is such an awesome capstone to what yeah. Sony has done as a first party. I mean, we can talk about some of the little ones like Astrobot VR is one of these incredible games that not everyone got to play. But that's but like, still great. And, and there's yeah. just uh, like, I, I think each of us could list off three or four different things that were either download only or big first party that will be remembered 10, 15 years from now. And it'll be like nostalgic stuff as people go into retro stores to, you know, pick up a giant PS4 while they install the PS9 into their skull. <laughs> yeah, I would have uh, switched probably in terms of releases, Ghost of Tsushima and Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. Uh, to make Last of Us Part Two sort of that's a little bit more forward thinking, and as yep. I've described, Ghost of Tsushima, it really feels like the entire generation's uh, ethos about open world design, like they took from a bunch of different games and sort of crafted the er, open world action adventure game to sort yeah. of finish things off. Which also feels a bit next gen too. Like when you look at it, partially because of the art direction, um, oh, but but it it loads quickly, it moves quickly, it's very fluid and like the game doesn't fight you. The camera may every once in a while, right. but I think that's kind of a quibble uh, because we're we're getting so used to navigating three D worlds like this. But I I feel like the one two punch in terms of. Uh, uh, especially on on PS4 Pro, I don't know how these games run on a, on a launch PlayStation 4, but on the Pro, they, you know, Last of Us 2 and this game just look outstanding, and the HDR, uh, you know, um, fidelity and the and the surround sound. I didn't know this about the Kurosawa mode in uh, Ghost of Tsushima. It doesn't just change the visuals to vintage black and white, but it actually changes the audio panorama as well, so it sounds a lot oh, more mono it? and squished in. I, I was like man, this sounds very, because I played a little bit more last night. It's like, sounds very different. And then mm. I expanded back to color and it just, poof, it goes. I got to say that the Kurosawa mode is, is one of those things where it's like 90% there. I'm driven nuts because the color data is removed. So with, when you're in battle, you don't see these flashes of red or blue as yeah, enemies yeah. come at you. It's just this white flash. I think it's a, I understand why that would be muted, but I wish they'd fix that. But everything else about that Kurosawa mode, especially how they handle contrast is unbelievable because there's a yeah. lot of black and white tone mapping that has to be redone everywhere in the game so that it's not washed out so that everything is readable. Um, I think that was whoever whatever budget got put into specifically building that and having it not break is phenomenal and hats off to yeah. sucker punch for going to that extra mile yeah i i, I liked kurosawa mode to a point but uh, as i said in my review i didn't play too much of it because i i felt even with the effort they put towards it it was such a disservice to beauty, the yeah. use of color and then yeah. like being able to to like climb to the top of the mountain and then look down into a valley of where you've gone before places that and just see the colors popping at you is such just a a beautiful moment and i spent i'd have to say like 20 or 30 percent of my time in that game in photo mode me too <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. Well, that's why they put the thing, the command right there in the D-pad. Like that could have been a battle command, but they know that you're going to be doing that a lot. You don't want to go to pause in order to go to photo mode. It's so good. Yeah, and, and pro tip, by the way, it's helpful uh, if you don't know where you need to go hit photo mode because you can pull the camera out. You can take some time to look around, see where you're supposed to go. And it pauses the game. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It is. I, I got to say the thing about photo mode that really hits, hits me is you can see because it lets you dynamically change the, the time of day. You mm. can see essentially the seven color palettes that they assign to different times of day with or without weather on because they're very deliberate about how that the, bursts of orange and the bursts of violet, how yep. those hit in the sky, and then how that filters through all of the world because there's so much really nice dynamic lighting. You could not pre-bake that much beautiful color stuff. You can't, this is not Last of Us where every single thing is running linearly. The way color bounces in this world is unbelievable. And the, yes. and the fact that you can just at any time be like, you know what, I want this, I want this scene to blow up with a whole purpley green party just Oh, and then let's get some clouds and lightning in there in the mix. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. It's not cheap. So kudos to Sony for investing in that. And clearly they believed in what Sucker Punch was putting together. But it's also Sucker Punch's first kind of historical you know, swing at this. They've done the open world superhero thing. And I love the infamous games. But this is a... Uh, uh, you know, a very big different departure for them. And they have all of this competition that exists out there. And to come out, you know, with such a strong game like this, kind of as your first time up to bat with this idea is unbelievably, um, you know, just special. And uh, we just have to give massive kudos to Sucker Punch. They really delivered. I mean, how, yeah. much, do you, how much do you guys think that uh, um, the PlayStation 4's ability to deliver on these exclusives and to have the success that it's had was predicated on it coming so fast out of the gate at the price point that it did and, and sort of ramping up to an install base that kind of shocked the development world and, and not only got all of Sony's first party um, support and, and the money that they spent on those games, but also got a lot of other external publishers to make PlayStation 4 exclusives, which I think helped to further usher in more people sort mm -hmm. of aligning with PlayStation 4. Well, time's going to tell on all of the finagling that went on behind the scenes because we had the Xbox 360 generation. There was a whole swell of really smart people at Microsoft who helped build what uh, Xbox Live Arcade was in a big way because of partnerships with developers, with Microsoft saying, here's money for stuff that you didn't realize was going to be awesome. It was going to change the industry. And then Microsoft right. gave up because they're like, we need to chase the and Chase Connect and the, the whole bureaucracy behind the scenes there fell apart. And PlayStation said, yeah, we can, we can scoop that up. We just have to hire a few people, make a few agreements. And some people left Sony during the PlayStation 4 era after laying the bricks for some of the biggest stuff. Like, God, we had that in E3 where Final Fantasy VII and Shenmue were announced at the same time and people lost their minds. Those didn't necessarily turn out. Well, Shenmue didn't turn out the way that we all <laughs> had hoped. But like that groundwork takes time and takes staff. So that's one thing that gets you don't get because of PlayStation 4 having a certain clock speed or a certain amount of RAM. Uh, now, in terms of engineering, they really nailed what they needed to do to say, oh, wait, uh, Xbox is very similar. Okay, well, let's make sure that we have just more general RAM available because Xbox has this split. Xbox One had a split RAM architecture that was like fine. 
it. And then just making sure the clock speeds were a little better. Essentially that 1080p versus 900p difference lasted for seven years. And there, that's that install base uh, is something that uh, Xbox will continue to play catch up on for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think probably the, the best, uh, thing that worked out in their favor not just when they announced and hit that price point and didn't have to worry about online drm and all those early mistakes that microsoft made in this generation was they also came in with a very strong understanding of what their first party studios were doing and what the fact that playstation and nintendo pretty much control japan and microsoft is a non-factor there so they have on on one side the very strong uh western and they had some some missteps like uh the order 1886 right uh you know in the beginning but once they sort of hit that the, the god of war um spider-man all of those that's a bunch of big budget western games that they can work with and then they also had control of sort of the japanese side of things like the only way to get many of those japanese games from like great developers and picking up bloodborne like in in the sort of middle of there was yeah. just a, a, a an amazing coup so I think they, they went, and that's an issue that carries forward with Microsoft. Like, Japan is still a strong chunk of what enthusiast players want from a console. And Japanese development has just been on fire the oh, last yeah. decade, I feel like. You know, like, it, it, it's it's been cranked up it just it blows me away there are quarters throughout the year where it's just one fantastic japanese release one after another right. and uh yeah you're absolutely right mike i feel like xbox um you know gets the the you know the port support of games that probably initially start with a playstation deal you know or some uh, you know timed exclusive right. ending and then it finally comes to the xbox um, later on, or it's missing some of the features or whatever. But yeah, Sony has been able to lock down a lot of great Japanese titles as well as pay for some massive games like Last of Us 2 and God of War and, and uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which Xbox hasn't been able to do, but they've been buying all of these different studios. And now we yeah, get to find out whether I was that's going to say, pay off. Yeah, the, the Obsidians and buy, buying NXL, Obsidian, all those stuff, and probably throwing a good bit of money at them um, to really sort of the, I, I don't want to say B grade. They, those are mid-level studios, giving them sort of the money, and you can sort of uh, see what that, that benefit will have in, say, Larian's Divinity Original Sin 2, to Baldur's Gate 3, like that, the difference there is they have the expertise, but they get more resources. Yeah. And I, I expect that you'll see some of that with Obsidian and NXile for their next games. And I think Microsoft is, is in a sit place that they can build on that. Um, I'd say the biggest problem is I don't expect to see those dividends pay off for another two to three years well you know that's funny uh, <laughs> I, because we don't know what that payoff time is that's the yeah. question mark as we go into and i know victor wanted to talk about this this xbox event coming up this week on thursday the 23rd um yeah. because the question is yeah 
they started investing in some of these studios a while ago. Last E3, over a year ago, was you know them on stage showing how many of these studios had been purchased and that it's all been pretty quiet. And does that mean that there's just going to be announcement after announcement of new IP and sequels coming up? Like, that's the, the big thing I'm curious about is, is what, what those dividends are. I mean, God, Double Fine, they picked up. Like, are we ever going to see something from them? Are we going to, uh, and the yeah. initiative is, the, is like the rumor magnet as of right now, uh, because people really want a certain uh, formerly first person shooter series to come back under their guise. Like, is that going to really happen? Or are those rumors true? Um, See, the problem is like half of those studios are, are in the middle, like, like in exile is finishing wastelands three, yeah. uh, you know, obsidian has grounded, like they, they are finishing up games. So I, I just feel like the, the spin up at was that's where the two to three years mentally for me comes from. What happens with outer worlds? That's a, that's a, that's a good question because it, I, I think out of world successful game and it's a great beginning of something I feel. Yeah. And you can build upon that and, and sort of, so like you, you have the foundation. So now it's spending on, you know, uh, creating new planets, crafting new stories. Uh, so maybe that's like a shorter turnaround time, but again, it's kind of who knows. Well, and certainly uh, Phil Spencer has been pretty vocal about the idea that he's against the concept of exclusives. He, he thinks that uh, Sony uh, investing in exclusives is kind of um, antithetical to what gaming is about. And, you know, by the measures that Xbox is taking right now by uh, allowing xCloud users to access their gamer uh, pass games and play them wherever they want to and, and releasing, uh, you know, game pass games on PC at the same time. And it's all, you know, all these big first party titles are included in that subscription. It, it does feel like Xbox is trying to um, let people have their games wherever they want them to. And I, if any publisher is going to, uh, you know, sort of cross a line first and put their first party stuff onto their competitors platform. I mean, we saw that relationship already with Xbox and Nintendo. I've been predicting that we'll see a Halo on PlayStation, uh, you know, in the not too distant future. Do you guys think I'm nuts with that or do you well, think that'll happen? I mean, I do think you're nuts about Halo on PlayStation because there's mm. a certain line that Microsoft has yet to cross. They could cross it at some point. But when Phil Spencer came up, he essentially looked at Microsoft's Balmer decade, which is just failure after failure. Here of not getting a specific device or getting into an ecosystem and not understanding how people use digital entertainment and digital tools. And the era ever since, with once Balmer was left, is, has been Microsoft saying, we just want to make it easy for you. There are so many computing devices. We didn't get Microsoft Phone out there. That didn't happen. We didn't get Xbox One into every living room as the TV hub. Fine. How do we just get to where you are and get you right. to spend your money with the us and get locked in because xbox game pass but also xbox live and just buying games on xbox is all about saying however you got the game whether you got a disc or a download code or a subscription if you got it at xbox we want to make it super easy for you to feel like when you're here you get to stick around because normally in this digital world most companies have been kind of oh oh 
you got to upgrade your iPhone. Wow. You just lost a bunch of 32 bit apps like that. Like that's one big example of some, one of the biggest tech companies that people love leaving people behind in terms of software. And Phil Spencer has been so bold about saying, yeah, we're going to support old software. We're going to have cross-generational software. We want you to all in all put your money into our ecosystem. And that is a 10 or 15 or 20 year vision as opposed to PlayStation 5, which is saying it's got to be about the games and we're leaving the old generation behind and we're creating these severe lines. And uh, that I, I think is that we are though. I feel like they're going to surprise us with some backwards compatibility, you know, in... Yeah in direct competition with what Xbox is leading on. Well, but, uh, but, but Sony's executives have come out and said, we think yes, it's important have, to have yeah. a line between generations and, and fail. And, oh, go ahead. And, and they're probably like, they literally like PlayStation 4 GameStop. Like all of us assume that The Last of Us Part 2 is the last PS4 game. Right. Like just period. Whereas Microsoft will probably continue supporting some flavor of xbox one for another couple of years like they will continue to say make a game for series x but also release a version of it on xbox one maybe not on original that, yeah. but yeah. at least one x or something like that although xbox has been quick to just kill a line too like the, the the move from the original xbox to xbox 360 was unbelievably abrupt it was like yeah. okay that's over and now this is our new machine and it was so quick too it was after only four years or something that it was on the market and arguably an incredibly powerful machine but uh, you know that i think was a major contributing factor on xbox 360 being so successful is that they just went nope we're, we're out now and one could say the same thing about playstation 4 you know i think that it was cheaper and out uh, quickly, relatively, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, although but PS3 my, did have a nice long run. Too. I mean, my point with with all of that is that yeah, Microsoft did used to follow the old paradigm because everyone did that yeah. in the olden days. Yeah. What backwards compatibility went away once we switched from cartridges to CDs and that sort of thing. But we're in this whole new era where people sort of uh, Microsoft wants you to have their login. They want you to right. to just be there for a while, and so. Mike, I'm curious about how xCloud will figure into everything because xCloud could be the connect the dots answer to, oh, you've got this old device, but you want to play newer games. Well, instead of running it at 720p, why don't you get on Game Pass and then you stream it from the cloud and it'll run better than your Xbox One could run it natively, but you've That's already got Xbox true. One. xCloud is currently only mobile, but it could run through a client on and, an Xbox One. And that's been, right. the pl that's been the plan all along. Or in a terms PlayStation of 4. I mean, yeah. But yeah, exactly. Like if they would love, <laughs> I mean, they would love, <laughs> they would love to give like Sony, they would give Sony a cut to get on their devices. Cause again, they just want every account. They want every I, that, user. This is what I'm saying. That, I mean, I think that yeah. they're looking at uh, the $200 billion evaluation of Netflix and going, you know, Netflix is worth as much as Disney, you know? And it's yeah. because of their uh, ability to be omnipresent, to be everywhere, to be available any you know any device you pick up. And I think everybody is is kind of looking at that, and including PlayStation. And they're you know you know I'm getting dipping their toes into PC uh, publishing, and and they have their own cloud service as well. Um, but Xbox is being incredibly aggressive, maybe because they don't have a lot of uh, stories to tell. Other word, otherwise, you know, they don't yeah, have a I mean, lot of there, other things to say. 
there's also sort of a push and pull that I, I find interesting in that Microsoft is definitely being far more consumer friendly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that will help them in the long run continue to make money and revenue and sort of grow that audience. But Sony's hard cutoff will allow them to sell systems, assuming yes. the price, like the, the marketing story for buying a PlayStation 5 feels stronger than buying an Xbox Series X. Well, especially when you end with a game like Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two, aren't those just amazing, <laughs> almost advertisements for what we can expect? You know, right? And, and they also hint at the 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 sort of future potential of the medium and the visual fidelity that we can expect. Like that's baseline on PS, and it it looks. In I mean, these games already look next generation. You know, like to to people walking in from first gen PS4 to this would think that we're on new hardware. And Ghost of Tsushima loads up so quickly; it's almost it feels like they're they're like they're like hey think of how much better this is going to be on ps5 like yeah. it like a second two second loads that's not even going to be a problem anymore <laughs> so what does microsoft have to do at this event on thursday what do they what do they have to say obviously halo's got to bring it and we got to be excited but sam what do, what do you think they've got to do I, okay so my guess is everything that you haven't heard about this summer so far will probably emerge uh, number one, we already have that leak. Uh, and by leak, I mean a, a full-on Microsoft store page for this new Activision shooter, The Red Dream. Is that the name of it? Do you, you guys know what I'm I talking about? I oh, the code name. I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there's a code name thing up on, on the Microsoft store that says Activision. It says shooter. It says rated M for mature. So that's probably showing up on Thursday. Big shocker. Call of Duty at an Xbox event. Um, yep. So then there's also, what about that project uh, between From Software and uh, uh, George R.R. Martin? Um, Elden Ring. Oh, right, Elden, Elden Ring. Yeah. We haven't heard about that yeah. for a while. Is that going right. to emerge? Uh, I'm not saying it will, but like, there are so many different little question marks of software that hasn't popped up in a while. Uh, and my guess is we'll get a third of that. Um, I'm the guy who's going to give a crap. Are we getting the price? Uh, we're not. No, because as they said, no. they're only focusing on games. They're, they're it's not playing a business chicken. Or, both yes, sides are playing chicken right yeah, now. No, yeah, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's ready to cough up the first one without having some really, really big uh, <laughs> understanding of, of having the winning proposition. Um, and I think the reason Microsoft is going to wait is because we still think Lockhart is going to pop up because that's right. the Xbox Series S that right. keeps getting rumored. And they just killed Xbox One X. One X. That, yes. you know, let's not get too confused. But that system no longer, you can't, you can't even get it at Amazon. It's been de- listed you have to buy it used right. um, so lockhart so why, will be better than xbox one, one x x we don't know we just know that there needs to be a middle between the old 2013 xbox yeah. one and the brand new 4k 8k whatever uh right. we imagine there that, that's quite a wide divide and microsoft yes. has been keen on giving people grades and steps so mm -hmm. the rumors of lockhart make it seem like that's going to happen so my guess is we're going to see a price for microsoft when we get two prices 
That's my guess. But as far right. as this week, I think Halo Infinite has to be the big tentpole. Uh, it's got to be this thing that makes people excited. And the good news for them is that Halo 3 just came out as Master Chief Collection on PC and has right. been blowing up on Steam. It's a great port. The, good, the buzz is good. The feeling is Halo 3 is a very specific moment when Bungie was just firing on all cil- cylinders. And if they can ride that momentum and say, right, we remember that. We want to give you that. Uh, then yeah, even if it's not that great, as long as it feels like that, it'll be a great event for them. Yeah, I, I think maybe uh, you do the Halo Infinite, uh, assuming it's got a strong single-player campaign. I still feel there's probably going to be some sort of Destiny-style multiplayer right. component, like always online kind of thing. Yeah, um, we're going to get a say, lot of eye rolling if that happens, aren't we? But I think you it are, can turn but, into a huge business for them if they are doing that. Yeah, if you do, because once you, that's, that's part of keeping people on and especially yeah. seeing Sea of Thieves slowly grow. I'm, I'm right. sure Microsoft is looking at that and being like, we need yeah. to make sure that that's a part of Halo as well. Yeah. Um, it's almost I, like these co- game companies, and I'm being, you know, I'm being dismissive and, and uh, reductive here, but it's almost like they're creating browsers, you know, or chat bots or something oh, like chat that. Rooms, or, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, it, it, I, they're cool games, but I don't know. I, I, I like the finale. I'm still, I, I guess I'm so old school. I like to, to jump in. That's why it's been such a treat to play these massive single player games that Sony's been publishing. I like there to be an ending to these things. But that's, I think Microsoft's acquisition strategy has been a lot of stuff that leans in the single player. Yeah, and that that, that was the other, I I was going to say probably Hellblade Hellblade 2 gameplay. Mm -hmm. Just a little little, little brief taste. That'll be great. And then I think they're probably going to CG trailer like uh, Obsidian's next big RPG world. Like to say, like, this is what we are working on. You're not going to see it for a while, but this is where all of that money and resources are going. It's such a shame that Outer Worlds couldn't be that, you know, because here's a planet hopping game that they've got the, you know, the core concepts for. And if you gave them visual and hardware muscle to wrap that imagination around, it could just be... Show stopping. It could be incredible. I mean, they give us space travel and the whole, the whole, you know, nine yards. But that's a possibility. I mean, we're all talking about possibilities and dreams and hopes. And Microsoft has a pretty wide portfolio of studios right now now, that each have about a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. Because here's one thing I know what Mike's saying about, well, some of these studios already had projects and they're kind of like catching up. But how much did Microsoft say, hey, you, we're going to give you money to build an 80 person team that's working in secret? while you've got this other thing in the works. Like, we don't know. Maybe all of these companies are just grasping at straws and have garbage. Maybe well, and, they've got and big plus surprises. they're scooping up the ownership on a lot of these, these already yeah. in production projects. They didn't just buy the companies. They bought IP all as the well. Stuff like that they they own, yeah, they own Outer Worlds. You know, Outer Worlds is published by private division, but it's owned by Microsoft now. So it, because they own Obsidian. So now, I gotta, now, here's my question for y'all. What is the old... Uh, franchise that you haven't heard from a while that you really hope will show up. And I ask this because my hope, my fingers crossed, is Killer Instinct gets some sort of brand new, holy cow, you're not going to believe it, 
uh, update that either <laughs> carries on the original thing with all the characters they have or just does something really cool because man that game has enjoyed a good year of just fan excitement and that game's old that's 2013 yeah. but people are still playing it finding it anew playing it online because the net code's actually good like yeah. that's the one i really hope that they say yeah you know what we didn't mess that up and we still have it and we're going to keep it moving forward as a really good online 2d fighting series the the last three i was gonna say that they probably need to finish that up one it's probably the initiative everyone is assuming that's perfect dark yeah uh playground games is working on another one everyone's assuming that's fable, fable. I assume both of those will appear. The The third that I think that they need to at least kick off the generation right, they need to pay some Japanese studio mm. for something like Bloodborne, a Microsoft exclusive, like... Super hardcore game. Hardcore, very Japanese game that right. Microsoft will own. What, what would you want that to be, Mike? Oh man, I, I don't know what I'd want it to be. I'm I'm, I'm always very sad that uh, Scalebound, like, and and I think that's also part part of it. Like, they need to prove that, that the the misstep of canceling and and shelving Scalebound, like, they need to pave that over a little bit. Yes. Um, I don't know exactly what. I game can't believe that Platinum be. is I don't is out there Platinum. alone. You know, and they're—I mean, they're—they're—I'm happy for them. They're self-publishing, but holy crap, that studio, man! Like release after release, they're just incredible. And I cannot believe that neither Sony, or Nintendo, or Xbox has said, "Nope, you're going to be making stuff oh, it's, for my." Oh, it's platform. too late now. They're Tencent. They're huge. I, Tencent started like Tencent, and everyone got real worried when Tencent uh, funded them. Yeah, but I feel like that's like they're fine now. Yeah, but are. I feel like Tencent is going to give them some more. Like, come on, guys, come on to the Tencent like family. <laughs> um, oh, I, no. But I think that I think that's a couple years down the line. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I mean, that is we are talking about this, uh, you know, play anywhere type future, right? And Tencent's right. A, a factor in all that, you know, and could be even in partnership with these other players that we're talking about here to some degree. Right. Um, what would you like to see from Xbox? Do you want to see Killer Instinct? Is there another one that you'd like to see, Sam? Uh, well, I mean, I'm a Battletoads fan, uh, and they announced that, and it didn't get a very uh, strong reaction at last year's E3. It's very much an older generation 2D. Like, if they somehow made it look like a, a butt-kicking cuphead, like maybe it'll have a shot at getting people yeah, excited yeah. other than the old men like me who played on the NES back in the day. It's weird I, that they're not going pixel art with it, right? Like there is so much good pixel uh, sprite-based stuff happening. I mean, right I'll tell now. you, if they want full animation because that game is all about, that game was always about crazy animation. It felt sure. like a Warner yeah. Brothers cartoon, but with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles butt kicking. Um, and, you know, I want to see what Forza has because my I, long ago, the rumor was, that Forza was building something called Forza X, which mm. was going to just be a service that you just got it for free and bought cars a la carte and it just stayed alive. As opposed to what's been the standard model of you buy the new game for 60 bucks every year and you dump your cars and it gives you like a tiny experience point bucket for playing the older games. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the time to just make Forza as a service, to make it something where you get to keep investing in it over time 
and combine a bunch of different stuff. I would like to see a Forza that feels like a true living product that will never be canceled uh, or never be I mean, replaced. sports games feel like that's the next plateau for them in general, right? Especially if they're going to be uh, uh, policed into taking back a, a lot of their loot box mechanics and stuff. It right. feels like, you know, have a low barrier of entry, but then sell the components, you know, right. like maybe you get four teams or I, I don't but, want that. But what happen, I mean is it feels like that could, could be a way that people. But a Forza that was built for Game Pass would be great. It would be. A right. Would, would it be. Uh, oh, would it be Forza Motorsport or Forza Horizon? So so my answer to that is Forza Horizon. I, I would like another Horizon game. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um. They're almost story-based, those Horizon games, right? Because right. there's so much about the environment and uh, the shenanigans that you get up to based on the geography that's crafted for us. Yeah. If, if yeah. Motorsport took that service model, I'd be fine with it. That's Horizon, my guess. It would be a little bit, I'd, I'd be a little fuzzier on, but I would want another Horizon because part of the, the magic of the Horizon is here's a new locale. Yeah. Go out there and have fun. No, like, I think the yeah. service one would be about an esports driven Forza Motorsport. That's yeah. a service that's always living, whether because you're competing or because you're creating liveries or whatever part of it you want to be in that ecosystem. And they would, you know, kind of all, all these other esports racing sims that are out there. The time is the time is ripe for for Microsoft to really get Forza positioned to be a product that you can, as a racing fan, be invested in for ten years. And you bring up Battletoads, but see, part of the thing is like, under the old model, you need that game to sell X number of copies. Yeah. With Microsoft with Game Pass, they can release Battletoads and just like, I mean, whatever. Like, it's another game that goes on Game Pass. It makes the overall ecosystem look better. They can point to all of the different variety that they have. So, like, they no longer, I'm sure they want more people to download and more people to play it, but they don't need to be like, all right, Battletoads is coming out. Our, our marking is telling us we're only going to sell like 100,000 copies or something over its entire lifetime. Maybe we should cancel this. Now they can just be like, whatever like just put it out there and that's the exciting thing about the number of acquisitions <laughs> they have because when yeah. all those studios are doing different experiments and they're trying new ip they totally. now have this new cushion of instead of canceling and instead of tanking like you know it had to be oh we it's going to cost too much for marketing and printing discs right. and etc cetera, etc cetera, kill that game now it's oh meh, let's throw it on game pass and maybe it'll strike fire and that would be really awesome to just see microsoft say hey in the game pass future all of our studios crazy experiments are going to go live and we're going to push the big kahunas the halo infinites and the other big budgets with marketing with store stuff but you're just going to be in this cushy spot on xbox game pass oh and all these weird things we're going to publish them on the switch as well and you got to pay 20 or 30 bucks for those but on game pass they're included and free like i really do think that's going to be their future and I think it's going to look good in the bigger picture because again, uh, Game Pass and Xbox are like a month. They're making more money now than they were before. And they're still a tiny fraction of Microsoft's whole budget. Whereas right. Sony needs PlayStation to do well because Sony as a corporation is a mess. So it's like, that's its own sort of weird behind the scenes story that I cannot stop thinking about. It's not as exciting as comparing graphics, but it's, it's totally a factor. PlayStation has been a shining jewel in Sony's, you know, whole business model, but yeah, it's right. uh, corporately, it's very, it's structured very differently. Xbox, I think is kind of like, um, 
it, it, it's not the paramount thing that's driving Microsoft forward by any means, but it, uh, it, it is a business unit that's kind of left to its own devices, right. I think, you know, and there's a great deal of trust that's given to uh, the team behind all of Xbox. But uh, um, the, I think the subscription model could really change things around, you know, because everybody's driving towards this idea of a Netflix for games. And we talk about it all the time. And uh, right. one could easily argue that they're furthest along. Yeah, and, and it's not, that idea is not great for everything. And I think part of the problem with things like Stadia uh, and others is that they're predicated on that's all you have. And I, and I wrote this when I, I first looked at xCloud. But xCloud is like, look, if you want to stream it, you want to stream uh, Gears 5, go ahead. But yep. you also can just buy Gears 5 and download it and have it. You can buy it on a disc. Like the part of the problem with just streaming through say Stadia is not everyone has a great connection and you sort of have to be able to play around with that. And, and, I, and I, I always thought that was nuts with Stadia. Like why, they, Google's got so much money. They could have uh, made a play with another partner out there to offer download and streaming, but they we could do a whole, it. we could do a whole nother episode about <laughs> what happens when big tech comes in with a bunch of money, but not necessarily a true from the bottom up gaming vision, uh, Stadia yep. and uh, Amazon, Amazon game studios. Yep. Those are two back-to-back -back stories of what happens that way. And I think Microsoft had to dig itself out of the same hole when connect right. and television were the yep. driving forces behind everything on Xbox one so right. and that's what yeah. we're seeing now is them going you know what we we as microsoft we have a bunch of money but that money's got to pay for people with a vision and that's yeah. why those acquisitions i think are optimistic and give us hope even if they don't all turn out to have big hit games it's at least microsoft saying money doesn't bot doesn't just automatically generate games that make people give a crap but right. we're clearly going to start to see something from these studios on thursday halo's going to be the so. big the big money but we're going to start to at least get a glimpse of what the future of content first party from Xbox is going to be from all of these different acquisitions. And that's yeah, exciting. And, and we're probably going to get a, a taste of what rare means post Sea of Thieves. For yeah, I, huge I think at the very least, even if they're not CG trailers, uh, they're going to be the, the kind of, here's the team. Yeah. We're talking about what we're working on. Here's some concept art on the wall. <laughs> Here's a name. We love you guys. And I was like, okay. Like they should get you on that stage, Mike. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know you were building PR for Xbox, man. That sounded amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I like at least even those aspirational, like this is going to come eventually. Like when Shinmu three was announced, Remember, yeah. that was like barely a trailer, but it was Yu Suzuki coming out and saying, yeah. we're going to do this, we're going to kickstart it. And that was all you needed. So, I, like... I, I tweeted about this today, but uh, this goes back to the original Xbox, and I want Crimson Skies, like a, I, like a new Crimson Skies. I've been saying that every <laughs> year since that first one came out. I freaking adore that franchise. I know we've got Star Wars Squadrons. I Do I need to go get my copy of Blinks and hold that up to the screen just to get our OG Xbox cred here? Oh, I'll, no. I'll get or Blinks Mecha out. Soul. We're in a time suite, baby. I, I mean, I, I just had such fantastic memories of uh, getting into online dogfights and how effortless it was and how fun it was. And every, even if today, when you throw 
you know, the, the enhanced edition of the, X, the original Xbox game at Xbox One X still looks great, still holds up. Um, I know I'm not getting it, but I ask for it every time Xbox puts on one of these different yeah, presentations. Yeah, if, if you're talking full dreams, Phantom Dust will remain my, my dream. And they the, said the, they, that was coming. They said the, that it was coming. They were going to do, oh, but, they re-released it, but then they yeah they re-released it and they were doing a new one but then they canceled that and they that killed the small studio that was and in this world of digital ccgs the fact that you own essentially an action game and a ccg and you're not like like ready for that is just mystifying to me especially with game Pass, (laughs) right because i i think one of the things that that um uh, this this sort of digital uh, a la carte library that you've always got with you, it completely shatters the release schedule concept and the idea that you've got to have big business on on launch because the shelf space is going to disappear. That's all gone. You want lots and lots of nuggets to kind of dive yeah. into on your archive. And a game like that it would be gangbusters. I think it'd be awesome, you know, but it would take time for it to earn its money back. That's, but that's what these services are about now. It's about wealth of offerings. I mean, what were we talking about with Peacock just launching, uh, you know, massive classic NBC shows are available on, on this thing. I think Columbo, all those Columbo episodes. Oh, yeah, pretty much all of the Columbos. Is, is and there. that's, and that becomes this big, you know, hype thing that, that uh, ramific- has ramifications across Twitter. Yeah, I'm, it's like, I'm not, well, that's what games need too. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Peacock uh, it has this thing called channels where they're just essentially channels 24-7 just running of various themed and it's great. You can just put it on in the background. And I was like, why doesn't anyone do that? But yeah, like being able to have a wide variety of things that people can just download and pick and you don't have to, like you can heavily market them, but you don't need to because yeah. generally people are just engaging with Game Pass in the same way they would Netflix. They're like, ah, let's go out. What are we gonna What are we gonna play today? And totally. once you add XCloud to Game Pass, and they don't even have to wait to download it, or if you if they figure out the 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 median, which is um, a slower download of the actual game while you're playing it uh, streaming, that's that's the money shot. Being able to just like let's start playing right now. We'll download the game in the background, and On once an it's SSD. done. Da- Right, and once it's done downloading, we'll switch you over from the Steam to the actual game. And Games need that so badly. And honestly, <laughs> like imagine if every backwards compatible original Xbox game was just instantly added to Game Pass so that people could see the roots of where uh-huh. Xbox came from. And they could. most people didn't play those games. Let's be honest. They didn't pick up the machine. It was, it was marginally successful, successful enough for Xbox to continue. But what a way to curate and archive and deliver all of that history to people that just fusion frenzy it. for everyone i love it <laughs> i'm into it now here's my question for y'all how oh. many games do you think microsoft is going to confirm for this year at this event oh for this year yeah for mm-hmm. this year because sony has been very very quiet Agey, i know about confirming anything for 2020 yeah i i think we're going to have a very light end of the year schedule i think we're going to have Three. a lot of a lot of big indie games and and a lot of 
or not very many huge AAA. I think three is probably a pretty, I think we're getting Halo this year. Uh, we're getting Miles Morales this year on Sony. Um, but it's pretty up in the air as to what specifically is going to be launching in 2020. I mean, thankfully, we got year. Cyberpunk 2077 and some of these others in the pipeline. Avengers, that game still exists, you know. Yes, so, like, yeah. we have those third parties that are in the know, but in terms of Microsoft first party, I also imagine three total tops, if even, being announced this week. Because I'm curious about what's coming this year. And I, I think Microsoft has had a very light first party year. So I think it would be really good for them to at least reinforce that we're going to get some big first party stuff from them in 2020. They have to surprise us with one this year to sell that machine. I, yeah. I think Halo sells the machine, but I think they also have to say, and we got this, something that we don't know yet. You yeah. know, They can bank on some of the third parties like Call of Duty. I wouldn't be surprised by a Forza announcement for launching this year they've been able to kind of maintain a pretty decent schedule with those games but i think they have to surprise us with a first party thing that we haven't guessed yet um and launching see, I, this year i think that second party japanese game is that surprise anchor that that game that you, you pay and this is like look we haven't forgotten japan exists we're sorry now is that like fantasy star online three or or something like see right there like your face just automatically because that would be the kind of game like not everyone cares about fantasy star online but yeah. if you came out and said fantasy star online three there's a certain section of the enthusiast player base who is yeah. losing their minds oh dude i mean that's what nintendo and sony specialize in you know they know that some of these titles are are big to a degree or big massive to a specific audience but that's what propels them forward and those right. are the those are the heat seekers that go out and get these consoles on launch day and xbox plays more conservatively than that and has historically and i think it's time for them to uh, uh not technologically not with investment but i think in terms of content i think they need to take a massive risk like that and go all in and say, yep, we're here. We're gamers. We're big nerds for this. And we believe in something like this. And it would be cool if it was an established IP, but it would be better. I think if it was something out of the blue with an amazing developer, uh, maybe one that they've acquired that just shocks us all. I mean, that would be the best outcome and the best story out of the event. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Into it. If it's not Crimson Skies. <laughs> Sorry, Vic. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. Well, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. We'll definitely have you both back again. Uh, Mike, you have, a, have an amazing voice, my friend. It was, this, this, is what I, soothing. this is what I'm told. This is yeah. what I'm told. And everyone's I, like, why don't you do more? It's like, because we don't have a ton of resources. But I will. <laughs> I will do more podcasts or videos or something. Love it. Well, I'm into it. I'm it. subscribing. Um, and I'll be inviting you back to the basement for sure. But thank you both, gentlemen. Uh, fantastic to have Sam Miskovich and Mike Williams. Uh, follow them on Twitter. And thank you all for watching Vic's Basement. We'll be back soon with new content for you. And until then... Play forever.